Welcome to the Work Revolution podcast, where we believe, in fact, we know, there's a better way to work and live. And we are here to challenge the status quo of obsolete workplace practices and ideas about leadership. I'm Lisa. And I'm Deborah. Along with you, our listeners, we're evolving our thinking about what it means to belong, innovate, and create change at work. Join us as we dispel the myths of meritocracy, hierarchy, and other bullshit practices that get in the way of all of us harnessing our full potential to make a better world. So welcome listeners and welcome Deborah to another of our Ask Us Anything episodes. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Awesome. Awesome is awesome. I know it's spring. So my allergies are starting to act up. So that's problematic. And it was raining a bit this morning, but other than that, I'm doing good. You know what? I'm hearing a lot of, I don't know. It's just like after a couple of years of pandemic, I know a lot of people in my life for whom things are starting to turn around a little bit. Things are coming together. It's good. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. We're all hungry for things to, to shift into something, I don't know, yes. non-pandemic-y, even though we're still- A lot of change going on though. Yeah. Well, listen, we've got a great topic for our listeners today. And this is sort of typically our ask us anything as someone has asked us something. Yeah. But in this case, many people are talking about this topic and we're hearing it as an ask us anything. So we're just going to jump in. And the topic is hybrid workplaces. And listeners probably know what this is, where some people are working from home, other people are working for the office. Maybe there's a day or of the week or the month in which people are present in person and everything that comes with that. So this is the topic that we're going to dig into. And we've been reading on this. I know many people, for instance, we follow on LinkedIn. There's a lot of talk about what this looks like. I'm hearing everything from I could stay home in my pajamas until retirement and still be productive and work in my job and be a valuable member of my team to, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, get me out of my basement. I need to be around people again. And Mm -hmm. I'm really happy to have a place to go to leave the house and to go to work at. And then there's everything in between, right? So we're going to dig into this. So I'm going to just ask you, Deborah, like, what are you thinking, hearing? What's popping for you in this topic? Mm -hmm. Well, like you, I've talked to lots of people about this. I think there is a range, although generally speaking, I would say the trend that I'm reading and seeing is that people want the flexibility. Very few people want to go back to status quo of what we had previous to the pandemic. And there's a little bit of tension between organizations wanting to sort of, I think, regain some what their idea of control is maybe perhaps. And the workforce, and when I say the workforce, I mean right up to pretty senior level. Like I've talked to mid-senior level leaders, managers, who we all want the same thing. Just because we're in a leadership role doesn't mean we're suddenly different. And so I've heard people say anecdotally, one conversation was with a leader in a financial role in an organization who told me that she got an email one day with the leadership of the organization just decreeing that this on a Thursday, starting Monday, everybody's back in the office with no real dialogue about that. She had as a team of her own and didn't have an opportunity to dialogue with her team about it. So I think that there's a lot of misses happening here. So for me, I'm going to come back to a couple of themes that we've, as we have our conversation today, which is grounded in what we know around what really motivates people. If we're thinking about culture and engagement, 
what's really important to consider as we think about what this new model is going to look like. But I think the key theme for me is people want autonomy and control over their day and what their life looks like. And they want to have consideration for the fact that it's different. Like you said, for everybody, it's everything from my circadian rhythms might be a little different to the demands that I have in my life outside of work. And so having that bit of autonomy, control, flexibility, having a say can go, I cannot overemphasize how far that can go with helping people feel a sense of increased belonging and engagement at work. And the other thing that is top of mind for me right now is retention. So as we're recording this in April, 2022, the biggest thing I'm seeing in the market right now is that employers are having a retention challenge. They're having trouble attracting talent, keeping talent, a lot of resignations. I'm seeing a lot of unexpected resignations, which we could do a whole other episode because I have a lot to say about why it is that you have a team member who's unexpectedly leaving and you had no idea that they were either unhappy or wanted a different career entirely. But I think that's a real challenge in organizations. And what I'm seeing, what I suspect is happening in this regard is the first impulse is to throw some money at that problem. Like, is this a salary thing? Although I think that looking at compensation practices is part of that. I don't think that's the biggest thing because the one thing I always come back to that we know is that most people leave, they leave bosses, right? The biggest factor in someone's satisfaction in their role is their relationship with their boss. So I'm keeping that as mind as we have that conversation too. So that's what I'm seeing and hearing out in the market right now. It's a really interesting time in the market right now. Yeah. And when you talk about the person you report to being so critical in your working life, what came to mind was, I think there's a bit of an unraveling of what we would have called the traditional employment contract, right? Where the employer has a need, the employee molds, fits, here's the 17 things I need to do. Here are the traits and characteristics and education that I bring to the role and everything else that I am, I leave outside and I don't bring to work. Well, when you're working remotely, well, your kids are in the background, your dog is barking, your delivery of whatever it is you've ordered is, you know, the doorbell your is Amazon ringing. deliveries on this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we've seen a little bit into people's lives. So people do a lot of masking or had did a lot of masking in the workplace when we went to work. You didn't see all of that. And there's something liberating about being able to be that person and not having to use energy to manage your, your impression management. So I like the idea that there's a bit of looseness around this. What's interesting to me is because I think about what leaders need to consider right now. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, as I talk about the employment contract, there's to me, there's always been a whiff of putting people on a leash, right? We mm. need to contain the employee. We need to manage the employee. Right. And I really prefer the language of we're stewarding people's potential and performance. We are developing people's potential and performance. We are catalyzing the potential and performance of people. And to get out of this idea of the hierarchy, know-it-all boss, who's the overseer, and to really start thinking about what is the optimal relationship between employees and employers, and then think about, well, how does it play out in a hybrid environment and create an environment where people's needs and wants and preferences are part of the conversation, as opposed to what you described as a decree. And I think one of the worst things I've heard is one organization in the States, an employee had tweeted that she got a message from the head of the HR 
saying that for people with pets, they should start leaving their pets in another room or not spending as much time with their pets to prepare them. So the pets are prepared for the employee returning to the office. And I just thought this is unbelievably ridiculous and intrusive and frankly, stupid. So, <laughs> so I, right. Like, right. I'm going to, I'm going to put my hamster in cage in the shower, just so the hamster knows that I'm eventually going to be putting on some proper clothes to go to work. Right? So where somebody's showing up to work with like their cat and one of those like, <laughs> like little things right? oh, or their dog, you know, and, uh, <laughs> rolling in with a crate to put the dog in the corner. Cause the dog's <laughs> suffering from anxiety. The dog's got so much anxiety. <laughs> yeah. So that's really interesting. And I just want to add one thing before I come back to you, which is Leaders, I think, really need to have the kinds of conversations like what does a successful, productive, effective, humanistic conversation look like with employees who have been productive over a period of time working from home, who have, in fact, done more work and contributed more hours and have been more available and have been in more meetings than they were pre-pandemic? What does an effective conversation about these wants and needs and preferences look like? Because I get that some workplaces do actually need people to come into the office. And maybe it's dependent on role. Maybe it's dependent on the employee's preferences. But let's find a way to have the kinds of conversations between leaders, organizations, and employees. If we want people to bring their good energy, their great ideas, we have to meet some of these needs that people have been able to fulfill while they've been working from home. Right. So part of it is let's treat people like the adults that they are. And so, you know, when you say like, oh, you should start whatever doing this with your pets. And there's something a little bit like Like uh, paternalistic. Yeah, there's something paternalistic. And that doesn't usually go over well with people. I think the key theme that you're getting to with this idea of conversations, and this is where I'm landing as well, is just involve people make them part of the conversation, make them part of the decision-making. Now, in a large organization, people are going to go to things like employee surveys. I know you have a lot to say about that. The problem with employee surveys is that now, obviously, the culture in every organization is going to be a little bit different. But generally speaking across the board, unfortunately, a lot of organizations have mishandled employee surveys. In other words, part of the reason why we're experiencing what we're experiencing right now is there's generally speaking, again, low trust in companies and in organizations. And so there's often low trust when someone's asked to do a survey. And also, what do you do with this information? Do you report it back in a timely manner? Do you share it? Do you act on it? And so people are a little bit, understandably, not that trusting of that whole situation. You might have stuff to add to that, Lisa, I know, because you've been involved in a lot of that. So I think there might be a place for some of that, but you have to be really, really thoughtful about how you proceed and what you're going to do with that information. But then the other thing is having the conversations with people, because there might be something that's company-wide, but then there might be a lot of room for difference and flexibility, just team to team within organizations. So I think leaders having that dialogue, and it's not to say you're going to be able to always give everything that someone wants, but just even asking goes a very, very long way in having that dialogue. And I'm going to ground this in what we know about neuroscience. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about it because we've talked about this in a couple other podcasts, but I'll go back to David Rock's SCARF model. So the SCARF model stands for status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, fairness. 
these are five parameters that our brain is always scanning our environment for potential threats. Now, today, we don't tend to get chased by lions and we don't have the same kind of threats, but this primitive part of our brain is still operating. And so, for example, let's take the S status. Any potential change or threat to our status triggers a threat response. Any change in our environment is first perceived as a threat. Yes, it could be an opportunity. And yes, we're supposed to embrace change and be agile and blah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's so nice. Of course we are. And we're getting grit and we're getting resilience and all these things that, you know, employers have been trying to, but the reality of how our brain operates is that these things are a threat long before they're an opportunity. And so- Let's just have this fun exercise. If we go through each of these five parameters, right? And think about changing someone's work from home status. Yeah. So let's say I've gone through two years of working from home and now I don't know what my employer is going to do exactly. It's still up in the air, but there's going to be a potentially a change in how I'm working in terms of status. Could that be a threat to my perception of my status? For sure. And here's an example that I've heard is while people were away and employers are rethinking the office space, there are no more offices. Now we're going to create a hybrid giant countertop cafe style. You show up on Tuesdays, you show up on Thursdays, nobody has a desk anymore. So I know for me, that would be a huge threat because I like to work in silence and being told I have to work with other people around me feels like my status is being affected. And it's not that I don't want to be around my coworkers, but that's one example. Things might have physically changed. You're coming into a different office and that could have an impact on your status. And if you want to have a private conversation, maybe there's like this tiny little telephone booth of a room that isn't that private because often they're made of glass. <laughs> like they're not even. Like yes, that. and they're so small that if we're supposed to still keep one meter distance, we're basically facing in opposite directions. So we status, well use absolutely, with a string. Yeah. So my status is threatened, and even just not having a choice or a say in the matter, you shall do this, right? The C is for certainty. Well, I mean, we've had a lot of uncertainty, and continued uncertainty. So yeah, that's threatened, right? Absolutely. Autonomy. Mm, Well, that's the big one, I think, right? We've gotten some autonomy from working from home. Mm -hmm. And now it feels like the leash is going to be yanked and it's going to be yanked back into an office environment. And by the way, a small caveat here, many people have had to go to work throughout the pandemic. So we're being very specific about people who are working in office environments And by the way, kudos to people who kept everything going for the rest of us because we couldn't have done it without people who showed up physically for work. But yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Where's my autonomy? Maybe I could walk the dog in the middle of the day, right? Now I'm commuting an hour and a half in bad weather. My day is already two hours long before I stepped into the office versus, hey, I used to just jump out of the shower, put on from the waist up business clothes and uh, get into my work mode, right? So- Absolutely. And involving people in decision-making, giving options, choices as much as you can goes such a long way for people to feel like they have that autonomy. And that's really important for people nowadays. You know, we've evolved our workplaces, how work fits into our lives has really evolved over time. We have multiple generations in the workplace. We have 
people of all different types of backgrounds in the workplace. So giving control and autonomy is really, really important from a culture and retention. And I will say also a retention perspective, like I think awareness of this and how people are going to react can go a long way. Relatedness. We're social creatures, social beings. We need people. And so I think this has suffered quite a bit during the pandemic. And I think this to me is an area of real challenge and opportunity as we rethink what this is going to look like moving forward, because we still need that social interaction. I wrote down a bunch of this, I'm calling them the C words because they all happen to start with C for some reason, just have, as we're reading articles about work from home and the challenges and so forth, what are the major concerns? Connection, communication, collaboration, creativity, workplace culture. Those tend to be the big ones. Most of those things have to do with relationships, have to do with the degree that we have trust and open communication. And so we have to figure out different ways to do that and grow in connection and collaboration and have those relationships when we're working in a different way. And so a couple of people I've spoken to say, because a lot of organizations are immediately going to hybrid will be, let's work two to three days a week in the office. Well, what if it's one day a month in the office? Like I've heard people say once a week, I'm good. Once a month, I'm good. And so I think we need to kind of tease apart time where it's really getting together just to connect. Yeah. And I would add to that, this idea that form follows function. Like what is the purpose of being together in the same place? Is it so that your employer is in some sort of panopticon and can keep their eyes on you to make sure you're at your desk? Or is it to forge the kinds of relationships of candor and honesty and collaboration that are required for very complex problems that we're solving together on our teams? And this brings me to something that is slightly outside of hybrid, but really fits, is this idea that we have that because everybody reports to one boss that they're a team. Now, most people are in work groups. They're not as teams. They're not actually working together to accomplish something. So let's get really crisp and clear about what we mean by collaboration. We don't need to have people talking and getting along just for the sake of people talking and getting along. We need people talking and get along where there is a need to actually work as a team and to collaborate. So this reminds me of all the times I've been asked to like, Lisa, come in and do some team building. Well, first of all, it's like, are you a team? Like, do you actually need each other to get your jobs done? If this is just, let's feel good about ourselves, maybe we need to think about another intervention if we even need that. The other thing that I want to pick up on when you were talking about the SCARF model is about relationships. We've been through not just the pandemic, but there's been a real realization and understanding of the importance of diversity and inclusion and equity and justice in the workplace. And this to me just it plays out obviously around differences in race in gender identity and all the different facets and the different intersectionalities we bring to work. But the other difference I think that needs to be explored in hybrid workplaces, if you're working from home, are you not going to be getting the better, more interesting projects because you're just not as visible are you still in the running for potential promotions, right? Like, are we now giving more bonus points to people who are making the effort to put on some uncomfortable shoes and commute to work 
than we are to people who are really working hard at making contributions to our organizations. And I think it's important that we, like the world is evolving to really, you know, and this is the arc of time bends towards justice, but it takes a long time, is that if we want people to really bring their best to the work that we do and why we've hired them, we actually need to like loosen these constraints. And I was saying this earlier about who people are when they bring themselves to work. And I'm not talking about, you know, I'm going to bring my curmudgeonly, don't talk to me before I've had a coffee person to work, but we need to create some looseness around what we consider to be acceptable behaviors in the workplace. Now I'm not talking at all about it's okay to be disrespectful But whether we're working remotely or not, whether it's hybrid or not, people do need to bring an expression of who they are to what they do. We talk about our personal lives. We have lives. Like, let's stop this massive distinction between our professional lives and our personal. The pandemic has blended them in many ways. And there are some maybe things we don't want to keep going forward from that. But there are things I think that we would benefit from. And I think leaders, again, need to really think about how do we leverage what we've learned over the last two years in terms of who people really are and what they really want to need in their lives and in their work. A hundred percent. I agree with that. And I think you bring up a really good point around the visibility and FaceTime with the boss and who knows you. As someone who's done a lot of career coaching work, it's a common problem with people who think, well, if I have my head's down and I'm working hard and I'm doing a good job, I'm going to get noticed. I'm going to get promoted. And that is unfortunately not the case being known, managing your reputation, having a good network. These are things I could talk at length about. And so how do you do that in this new environment? That's an important consideration. From a leader's perspective, how will we manage this in this new environment? Maybe some people are coming into the office and others aren't so much. So how do we make sure that we're still evaluating people unfair and relevant criteria when we're looking at things like promotions and salary increases and things like that. So that is something that I think needs some consideration. And also from the point of view of the employee in terms of also just managing your career, it's something to consider. And I just think the system is changing. We've been in a system that has been kind of stuck. It hasn't been that receptive to change and it's being pushed to change now. And so as the system changes, we do need to find some new ways, both as an individual who is thinking about their career to manage that. And also as organizations that are trying to attract talent, retain talent, have a really great corporate culture, have a sense of belonging and high engagement with people We're in a time that this is changing. And I think there needs to be some room and acknowledgement too that we might have to experiment a little bit. We're not necessarily going to hit this out of the park on the first go, but I just keep coming back to involve people, have the conversations, be as receptive and responsive as you can, because people are just going to be way more invested if you're involving them and being receptive to their input and the things that matter to them and how honest they will be in that conversation with you as the leader depends almost entirely maybe on the trust that you have. So know that trust is a delicate thing and it's easily broken. And so this is a real opportunity 
to slowly gain trust with employees too. I was having a conversation with somebody recently about exit interviews. And I read an article on this recently too, that most people either don't participate in exit interviews with their company or lie. <laughs> like even when they're leaving, they don't feel comfortable to be honest and open because they think that it's not going to be held confidential. It's going to come back and bite them in the butt. I'm going to need a reference from this, right? Exactly. So how could we move forward in a meaningful way if we can't even have open dialogue and get open feedback from people about their experience? So anyway, that's a little off track perhaps for today. But what I'm saying is don't assume that you have the trust to have those dialogues. You have to really build it and earn it over time. Yeah. And I think this might be a good note to end on, which is it shouldn't matter whether people are working remotely, whether they're showing up and like you can create very powerful connected relationships as a leader, regardless of the location of people are working. And it's how you lead. It's how you show up to a conversation, Mm -hmm. right? It's how you Bring curiosity. Nick, you're right. You cannot meet every person's need and preference for what would work for them in their lives. And you are giving people money to add value to whatever your organization is creating, whether it's a product or a service or any of that. So there are expectations that come with having a job. What I'm really talking about here is like, listen, everyone, like you said it earlier, everyone needs good people right now. Everything from like, you know, walking down the street and seeing virtually every single business looking for employees to office workers, to manufacturing, like good people are needed everywhere. And I guess it's my wish and my hope is that employers really start looking at what are the things they are doing to continue, even in this market, to create obstacles to people being able to get and do good work. Mm-hmm. We still have a long ways to go. And in some ways, I think the pandemic has created an opening where some of these, as you said, ways to experiment can come forth and we can try things, but it's going to take leaders who are willing to step in and to evolve their own ways of thinking about what their role is in the lives of the people who report to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say we didn't get to the F and scarf, but that's fairness. And you already touched on it, right? Like, are we being treated fairly in this process? And I think a lot of employers are automatically going to, well, because I've seen a lot of people leaving organizations and moving around right now. You and I have used the term, people are going to start voting with their feet. And so it's not all about the money. People are making decisions. I have someone in my network who said to me, they sat down with their boss and said, my decision about where I'm going to spend the next X number of years of my career rests almost entirely on the organization's work from home policy. Yeah. And bravo. Yeah. So people have a bit of leverage right now. They're using it. So I would say that this is a huge opportunity to really lean into those opportunities to involve people. And that it can go a long way for that trust factor and having that culture where people feel a sense of trust and belonging and being part of the conversation. I think it's really important. Yeah. And just to underscore that last point you made, I was reading just a couple of days ago, the statistic, this is American, 79% said they would consider looking for a new job if they could no longer work remotely. Like that is four fifths of your workplace. So this is not just one or two people who got comfortable working in their pajamas. This is people who have structured their lives to be productive and effective at work 
with the other responsibilities and needs and desires that they have and commitments. So the ball's in the employer's court right now. People are being pretty clear about what they want and need and employers who want really good people who are motivated to make a difference need to figure out what that looks like at their end. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah, 100%. That's a wrap for today. That's a wrap. All right. So get in touch with us, listeners, at our podcast website, www.workrevolutionpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. And that's it for now. We'll catch you next time. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and give us a review. And follow the Work Revolution podcast on Instagram for more great content and updates about our work. In addition to two full episodes a month, we have a monthly Ask Us Anything, where we answer your questions about leadership, career maneuvering, and whatever workplace challenges you're facing. Submit your questions to our website at workrevolutionpodcast.com, where you'll find all our episodes as well as learn more about who we are. Thanks to Bernie at Blue Eye Music for our music theme and to the team at Poditize for production support. Until next time.